listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Well, I have some good news. Our fearless leader of the venue is back next week. We're excited about that, right? But in all seriousness, uh, I'm super grateful uh, that Brandon and Lauren have had this time really over this whole past month to, to get away, and really the idea of Sabbath is to stop. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for the time that their family has had to rest. And I know our staff and so many of you are pumped for him to be back next Sunday uh, to lead us in God's Word. And so this week, we're continuing in First John. We took a pause last week, but we're jumping back in. And so I want to start with a story that I think will lead us in some direction, kind of for where we're headed this morning. And so for over spring break, my my wife and I had planned to go skiing with her family. Uh, We were super pumped about that, but some things shifted, and kind of last minute we decided, hey, we we can't go to the mountains. And so we decided, hey, we've taken some days off, so we're going to go down and see our family anyway. And so our family lives in Lake Jackson, south of Houston, about nine hours away, And uh, after uh, two Sundays ago after church, we got in the car, got all our luggage, got our dog, Sadie, our golden retriever, in the car and headed on this nine-hour drive. And so if I have to be honest with you, I hate this drive. Not just that it's nine hours, which which is really rough, but if you've ever driven from here to Houston, you know what I'm talking about. Like the first part of the drive is highways, you're feeling good, but then you get into this like three hour section that is a one lane road. And for most of the drive, it's uh, going through little cities. So you go 75 miles per hour, you're cruising, and all of a sudden you drop to 30, and it's back up to 75. And it's just over and over again for three or so hours. And so we get to this section that's a one lane road, and we're just kind of cruising along, entering into these cities. And I get to a point where we just get kind of chatting, right? On cruise control, we're, we're just going on the road, and we get to a point that we enter into one of these cities and I don't really recognize it. Right? We're just talking away, enjoying the time, trying to keep the golden retriever from getting in the front with us. right? And as we enter into the city, we immediately pass a cop. And so, like most of us do, I slam on my brakes, right? And you go through this like kind of panic mode. My wife makes fun of me because every time I pass a cop, I just start doing this kind of bouncing thing, right? Like even if I'm not speeding right, it's just kind of nervousness. And so I look in my rearview mirror and it's like, okay, Maybe, maybe he didn't notice, right? Like he, maybe he's just not working today, but he's in the vehicle. Almost immediately, you see him slam on his brakes. He throws the car around. Lights come on, right? And I'll, I'm just sweating, right? It's like, oh no. So comes up, and about two minutes after, there's a speeding ticket in my lap. And I'm furious. Like, I, I'm mad at everything. I'm mad at the cop. I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at the golden retriever that's been barking at the cop, right? Like, just frustrated at the world. But as reality began to seek in, as mad as I was, I broke the law, right? I was speeding, and therefore I was going to face the consequences for it. And I start with that story this morning because John's going to circle back to the idea of sin. And that's really kind of how we see him writing is he goes back to different ideas. In a few weeks, we're going to see him talk about love again, as he already has mentioned that some. But this week, 
he comes back to this idea of sin, really sin in the life of an unbeliever and sin in the life of a believer. Like what, what would be the difference there? And specifically, right as we start this passage, as we read it today, you're going to see that John mentions that sin is breaking the law, specifically breaking God's law, going against his design. And so if you have your Bible, we're in 1 John chapter 3. We're going to move through verses 4 through 10. I'll give you a second to turn there. 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. Verse 4 starts, it says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this it is evident who the children of God are. And who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And so through this text this morning, we're going to see three different things. And the first thing we see immediately is our problem. And so if you're taking notes this morning, there's even an insert in the bulletin that that you can kind of follow along with this. First thing we see, not just for us here today, but, but for all of humanity, We see our problem. Verse 4 says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And so John says, Everyone who makes a practice of sin, that, that sin is a practice of their life, that they're practicing lawlessness. Now this word lawlessness can be translated as wickedness. And so it says sin is to break the law. It's going against God's law and God's holy design. And so when John here is talking about sin, he's talking about the rebellion and wickedness that all of us have in us. That all of us are born, because of Adam and Eve, are born with a sinful nature within us to go against God, to to believe that we have a better way and not trust his design. And also, if you you look down at verses 7 and 8, John says, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And so many commentators, as you kind of study this text deeply, believe that the Antichrist, these people that were false teachers going against the teaching of Jesus that we saw at the end of chapter 2, They believe that these antichrists were seeking to soften the view of sin. That that they believed that you could be free to sin, do do whatever you want, and not feel guilt from doing so. 
that you didn't need to be guilty for the sin in their life. They, they thought you could be righteous, but still live in sin together. And so that's why John starts this way, just, just right out of the bat in verse 4, and then in verse 7. He's pleading with these believers that he's writing to, hey, don't be deceived. Do not be deceived. Sin is a big deal. And so he so clearly tells us, don't follow the devil. Don't follow his leadership. He's been sinning from the beginning. Don't join his team. And so what's so interesting about this is I think we can fall into the same trap that these antichrists fell in. That we can also be convinced that, that sin's not a big deal. And so I think about it in the context of a dating relationship. We went through a whole month pretty much encouraging our high schoolers with how to date in a way that would honor God. And so maybe that's why this came to my mind. But if you think about a dating relationship, oftentimes you, you see that the guy in the relationship would push a girl to go too far. That he would push her to, to cross boundaries physically that maybe she doesn't want to cross. And he might use the language of, hey, it's not a big deal. God's, God's going to forgive you. Everyone else is doing this. It's, it's really not a big deal. And in the same way, I think we can respond that way with sin in our lives. That, oh, it just has a few cuss words in this movie. Or, or the, the music you're listening to, like the things we fill our life to, we can act like it's not a big deal. And this is a serious problem that, that John begins to address, that we can be blinded by the beauty of sin in our life. And this is such a dangerous place for us as believers to fall into, to think sin's not a big deal. And so right out of the bat, John is clear. He says, sin is a big deal. It must not be taken lightly. That if you're continuing to practice in sin, that you're continuing to follow the devil, you're joining his team. But here's the issue. As much as we try not to sin, as we recognize, I know, I know this is wrong, I know I'm broken, as much as we try to fight that off, we can't. There's a massive problem that we can't rescue ourselves from the burden of sin. So there's an incredible story of, of a Christian lady who was in Tower One during the attacks of 9-11. And as the planes hit the building and she was trying to get out, she found herself trapped. And for 27 hours, she was trapped by the debris of the buildings and, and everything that collapsed. And as hours began to pass, she began to pray and ask God if there's any way. But also she would struggle with the reality that most likely she was gonna go see him, right? that she was going to die like so many that were laying around her. And as her legs were crushed, as she was bruised and burned, the hours began to pass by. But a team of firefighters and rescue crew that, that were working for hours continued to lift the debris and, and search for people. And they eventually got to her. And they began to lift the debris and finally pulled her out. And, and really, they believed that she was the final person to be pulled out alive from the attacks of 9-11. These firefighters rescued her. 
She was in desperate need of a savior, to someone to, to help her out of this. She couldn't lift the burden herself. And in the same way, this is how our sin affects us, that the weight of our sin is too much, that we can't lift it on our own. We are in desperate need of a savior. And, and this is what's so beautiful about how John writes this. He addresses the problem, but so quickly he provides the solution. So that's what we see next. We see our problem and we see our solution. Verse five, he says that you know that he, speaking of Jesus, speaking of the Savior, appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. And so John goes back to really the gospel of John, what they would have heard these believers from the very beginning. And for all of us as, as young Christians, we learn this truth that Jesus came here to earth to take away our sins. And so to take away is an idea to remove something by lifting it. That's how the word would be translated. And so in the same, uh, we see the same word in John 1, 29, the gospel of John. It says, the next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so the reason Jesus appeared here on earth was to come lift the burden of sin in our life once and for all, to provide forgiveness for anyone who would trust in him as their savior. And that's why John says this again in, in 1 John 1, 9. He says, if you confess, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And the only way he could do that is because he lived a sinless life. John says there was no sin in him. And so what qualified him to be our rescuer is that he was sinless. It's the only way that he had the power to do so. And church, this is good news. This is the gospel truth. John outlines it so clearly. And then we see another reason that Jesus came in verse 8, if you look down at that. It says the reason, man, it's just so clear. Like if there's, there's any doubt, he just spells it out so clearly. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil in our life. And so the works of the schemes of the devil come in, in many different forms. The devil is a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a murderer. He's the one that's been sinning from the beginning. And he's constantly working against God. He's going against what God is trying to do. And so his ultimate goal is that we would find our greatest pleasure and purpose in anything other than Jesus. If he can pursue us and point us to anything other than Jesus, he's got us. And so to mention a, a few of the ways that the devil attacks us and, and works against us, I think it is helpful to look at. And so the devil attacks us mentally. He deceives us to follow false teachings. And this is really what the whole book of 1 John is about is that believers would be careful not to go astray to a false teaching, to, to not forget what is true and, and fall away from that. And we've seen this happen 
from the very beginning. That when Adam and Eve were in the garden, the devil comes up to Eve and says, did God actually say, like notice that language, did God actually say that you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And so from the beginning, the devil has been seeking to tempt and seduce and lead away followers of Christ and really all people. Or he works in ways mentally to cause us to doubt or simply just to confuse us when it comes to our faith. And so you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us have wrestled with doubt when it comes to like, is Jesus real? Is this, is this worth my time? I would imagine most of us would raise our hand and say, yeah, I've, I've struggled with that. Gosh, and how, how many more of us know someone that maybe once proclaimed to be a believer, like was in a church, was plugged in, but they wrestled with doubt so much that they eventually left the faith. Man, and how many of us know a family member or a close friend or a coworker that the devil just fully has convinced that God's not real? That they're, that they're certain that there's no way possible that there's a God. The devil attacks us mentally, but he also attacks us morally. And so he's constantly enticing us and tempting us. And he does an incredible job at this. And we talked about this just like in the context of a dating relationship of, of how, how glorifying sin can look like in that way. But the devil makes sin so attractive to us that we would rather choose that than choose God. Like he, he is constantly working. And so this is why affairs happen. This is why addiction happens to, to drugs, to pornography, and on and on and on. Because the devil is attacking us morally. Also, the devil attacks us physically. John eight forty four says the devil was a murderer from the beginning. We see in scripture that he's seeking to kill, steal, and destroy us. The devil hates us. And so whether that comes from physical illness, disease, trials, anything we go through in that sense, he is seeking to destroy us. And so for unbelievers, the devil is constantly trying to convince them that God's not real. Like keep pushing them, confusing them in that idea that there's, there's no way that there's a God. Don't, don't waste your time even going into a church. It would be a waste and for believers, the devil is constantly trying to convince us to just not pursue the works of God, to not continue the purposes of what God has in your life. And so he works in that way to cause us to be lazy and apathetic, to not continue what God wants for you in your life, but to rather just continue to stream Netflix, continue to scroll. And for so many of us, he has us in this trap of laziness and apathy. But here's the beautiful part, is that we could continue to go on and on and continue to look through the pages of Scripture of how the devil works. But John tells us so clearly that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And so that means for those that are in Christ, those that have the Holy Spirit within them, you have the power now to say no. That doesn't mean that the devil has stopped working. Eventually, Jesus will come and finally defeat the enemy. 
But you have now within you the power to fight against the enemy, not because of you, but because of the work of God, the power of Jesus within you. And so that's what we'll finish with this morning, the the work of God in our life. And so the final thing we see is our response as believers. We see what he's done. Now, how do we respond to what Jesus has done for us? And so really the answer to that, number one, before we go any further, how do you respond to what Jesus has done for you? You accept him. You go all in with him and make him the Lord of your life. And then we begin to follow after him, seeking to put away this old manner of life. And so look at verse six. He says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. And then in verse 9, if you move down just a little bit there, it says kind of the same things again. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this, it is evident who the children of God are. Who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And so I want to remove any confusion here. I understand that this passage is tricky to to really understand what, what John is talking about here. And John is talking about those that consistently live in sin, habitual sin. And so true Christians strive not to sin. That through the power of Jesus in you, sin no longer dominates us as it once did. You have the power within you to not let sin consume you and rule your life. Because you are now in Christ. You are a new creation. And so as you begin to follow after Christ, your desires begin to shift from loving the things of the world to loving Jesus, right? That's the whole idea of sanctification, that the fruit of the Spirit will begin to work in our life. And we move from the old manner to the new way of pursuing Jesus. And so John isn't talking about sinless perfection. That as Christians, we never sin. Because if that's true, something happened wrong with me this morning, right? When I woke up and I was frustrated that it's 6 a.m., right? Like, there is sin within us. So he's not talking about sinless perfection. But he's talking about as believers that we would hate sin. That we would do everything we can to fight against it. And so now there's a desire in us that says, I love Jesus, I am so grateful what he's done for me, and I'm going to seek to live differently because of what he's done, of pursuing after him. And so to be so clear, you cannot live a life of sin and a life with the Savior. They do not go together. And so no one who has truly experienced Jesus, his salvation, Accepting him would live in a practice of sin. It'd be so confusing. That that cannot be true. And so the Antichrist were preaching at this time the the complete opposite. They They were trying to lead these Christians astray. They said, hey, it's possible for you to be born again 
and to live however you want, to live a lifestyle of sin. It's totally okay to live that way. And John is pleading with these believers to understand that's a lie. You cannot live a life with the Savior and a life fully in sin. They do not go together. And so as true Christians, our response to what Jesus has done, when we accept him and pursue him, our response is to abide. And we've seen that word multiple times, can be translated remain or live, that we pursue after him. And so a true Christian does not live in a pattern of sin in their life. And so if someone does not remove sin or does not seek to repent or feel remorse from the sin in their life, John would say that person is not truly a believer, that they truly have never accepted Jesus. And so when I got pulled over in that moment, even though I was extremely frustrated, and after there was about 10 minutes in the car where, where Ashley knew, hey, I probably shouldn't talk to him, right? Like, he, there's something wrong with this dude. But after about 10 minutes, really the guilt began to sink in of, man, I broke the law, right? Like, I, I, I went against the law. And so for the rest of the drive, you know what I did? I'm putting cruise control, like, at 64, not at 65. Like, I'm going to drive the speed limit the rest of the way and the rest of the way back because I felt guilty for what I had done. In the same way as believers, when we sin, we seek to confess that to others and ultimately confess that to God and, and seek to abandon the wickedness in our life. That the mark of a believer is someone that confesses their sin and seeks to repent from it. That we don't want to live in sin or live with the sin in our lives, that we are constantly fighting against it. That's why we talk about, hey, you need to have people in your life that are keeping you accountable because sometimes we can be blinded to the sin in our life. But the mark of a believer is someone who, not that doesn't sin, we clearly sin, we clearly struggle with that. But the mark of a believer is someone who's constantly fighting, waging war on their sin, striving to push it out of their life, not living in it. And so the response as Christians, number one, we accept Jesus and what he's done. And number two, we abide. We follow him to the best of our ability. That doesn't mean we live a perfect life. It doesn't mean we live in legalism, but we live in devotion to our Savior for what he's done for us. And so in summary, this passage really speaks to the unbeliever, and then it speaks of great encouragement to us as believers. Like we shouldn't leave here ashamed. We should live encouraged for what Jesus has done for us. And so we see very clearly a problem, a solution, and a response. That for unbelievers, those that are rejecting their need for Jesus, Paul outlines so clearly the problem of sin. But then he provides the solution. Saying, if you would just follow him, if you would just accept him as your savior, you can be rescued for the disgust that is in your life, the sinfulness that is there. And we see for those of believers, those that have trusted in Jesus, that Jesus came here to take away our sins and to destroy the works of the devil. That for every person, this is the good news, for every person that has trusted in Jesus, you are not held down by the bondage of your sin. 
That is good news, right? That we do not have to be held captive by the sin that is in our lives. That we can say no to the works of the devil. And ultimately that we're a new creation. And so I want to finish with this idea. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, "If If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And so thinking about this idea of of being a new creation, I want you to imagine for a moment, you've just bought a new car. Some of you have had the opportunity to do that multiple times. But so just imagine for a second, everyone pick your car, whatever car you want, whether you want the Tesla, you want the new truck, you want the the little, little smart car, right? Whatever you want to choose. You leave the dealership, and just, just for imagine, you just, you just close your eyes for a second, you can imagine the new car smell. You just take it in. You, you look around at the floorboards, and it is so clean. There's not dirt anywhere in the car. You get outside of it when you get to your house. You're, there's nothing wrong with it. There's not a scratch or a dent, any kind of fingerprints on the windows. Perfect. And so for the next couple of weeks and months, you do everything you can to keep it that way, right? So you, every week you have a routine that you're going to go out and vacuum the car. You're going to wash it, maybe wax it, or, or maybe you go to one of the thousands of car washes that we have here in Lubbock, right? Where you, you're going to pay for the, the monthly subscription that you can come and wash your car as much as you want to. And so you live like that for a while. But over time, you begin to become okay if there's a little bit of dirt in the floorboard. And like you're okay if if it's not perfectly clean on the outside and you once had the rule that no one could eat in the car, but now it's okay if the kids eat and there's a couple Cheetos on the floorboard, right? And honestly, over time, you, you don't really even begin to realize how dirty your car is. And if someone was to mention it, you don't really care, like if, if you were honest. And I think in the same way, we can respond that way with our faith. That as a Christian, maybe you've been walking with Jesus 5, 10, 15 years, however long it is, but, but over time, as you walk with him, you begin to become okay if there's a little bit of sin in your life. You're okay if, if you let that bad habit that was once there come back into your life. It's it's just a struggle that you have. It's just kind of there. And church, can I just remind you this morning that God's word says you are a new creation. John says so clearly that you have the seed of God's word in the Holy Spirit within you. The old has gone and behold, the new has come. You are still a new creation. Let's strive to live that way. Let me pray for us and we'll respond to God's word. Jesus, we love you. I'm so grateful for your scripture. For a message that we probably heard very similar just a few weeks ago. As John writes this, God, we are so much in a desperate need to be reminded as we can so easily forget 
And so Jesus, I thank you that you are the solution to our problem of sin. And so I just pray right now over this room, over those watching online, God, if there's anyone that has not accepted you, that has realized the problem of the sin in their life and has not gone all in with you, God, maybe this morning they would. That they would remove themselves out of a practice of sin and go to the practice of a life pursuing the Savior. And God, for the believers in the room, I pray that you would help us today to not be okay or comfortable with the sin in our life. Because we know that you came to take away sin and to destroy the works of the devil. So help us to live like that's true. Help us to live like a new creation in response to you. So Jesus, we pray that you be with us. Forgive us of our sin. Thank you for the hope that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.